Hello everybody, it is Michael here with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. I appreciate all your guys' support on the show. We got a ton to talk about in this episode. There's a lot of interesting stuff that's going down. The NFL playoffs will be here. We'll be doing some playoff predictions. I have five teams that I want to talk about. I'm going to be doing player spotlights, which is something I'll start doing either every episode or every week where I talk about three players in the NBA that have really been standing out to me just discuss their game and what they've done specifically to stand out to me Uh, and then we got two NFL teams that I want to talk about those being the Browns and the Bills so yeah let's just get right into the episode first team I want to talk about is the Brooklyn Nets they've been struggling recently they are now down to three and four uh, and the loss of Spencer Dinwiddie is very very clearly hurting this roster a lot They lost a lot of that dynamic that was making them look so good in the early season. And Spencer Spencer Dinwiddie's injury is going to be a huge thing and a huge storyline around the season for this roster. Because if they do not make a move, I don't think they're going to be able to win without Spencer Dinwiddie. And they're clearly a piece away without him. He was playing some very, very good basketball for them. Even if he wasn't statistically putting up the craziest numbers by any means, he added this flow to the team that they just don't really have anymore. They don't have that secondary ball handler with Kyrie Irving. They don't have as much playmaking anymore. Karis LeVert has been struggling to start the season. He's been pretty inconsistent off the bench. And they're missing that just unselfishness that uh, Spencer brought to the game because he was a guy who just let everybody else do their thing and wasn't trying to get in the way of anybody, even though he was a guy who put up around 20 points last season. He was a guy who was in conversations to be like a fringe all-star type of player. He was excellent last season, and he was the one who took the responsibility of taking the step back and focusing more on the defensive side of the ball, focusing more on playmaking. But now without that, this team is definitely struggling quite a lot and we're seeing their issues be exposed which is on the defensive side of the ball mainly they've looked atrocious on defense just getting scored all over I mean against the Hawks the Hawks shot 41% from three DeAndre Hunter shot nine of ten scored 23 uh, and even in a game where Trey Young shoots 7 of 21 and only scores 21 points, you have to take full advantage of that. But they end up getting blown out because that's my issue with this team. is their, If their offense isn't completely electric, which it is most nights because they just have that much talent, then they're in real, real trouble. So when you have a game like this where Kyrie is shooting 6 of 21, 2 of 11 from 3, it's a big issue. And my worry is also the Spencer Dinwiddie injury is probably not the only injury that's going to happen to this team. As much as we hope injuries don't happen and it always sucks when they do, you have to be realistic. Kyrie Irving especially has a very, very extensive and long injury history. His knees have always been an issue. He had the shoulder thing last year. It only feels like it's a matter of time before some injury happens. Even if it isn't a big injury, if it's only a knickknack injury, that could still set them back a lot if they're just missing Kyrie for like a week. Because as good as Kevin Durant is, and as amazing as he's been playing this season, he's been incredible. He's uh, right back to himself, he's averaging 28 points, 7 rebounds, and almost 5 assists. Uh I don't think he can carry this roster who's that bad on the defensive side of the ball just all by himself. And the other guys are going to need to step up. A guy like Karis LeVert needs to play better. He can't be averaging 13 points, 13, 14 points off this bench. And especially on the efficiency that he is, 37% from the field, 27% from three. His shot has just been really, really struggling so far. So guys like that have to play better. Uh, this coaching has to be better as well because I feel like a lot of the times they're over-reliant on just uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, uh, ISOs and stuff like that. And again, they weren't when Spencer Dinwiddie was there. It was just a whole different dynamic. The ball was moving so much better. The ball wasn't sticking as much. And we saw we saw in that Wizards game, uh, the guys couldn't execute at the end of the game, which really, really hurt them. And uh, honestly, you're not going to see those two guys miss those shots uh, very frequently. Like, those are shots that are usually pretty easy for those guys. 
pretty open look from three from Kyrie and a wide open look from mid-range from KD, which is a very, very rare shot for him to miss because that's his bread and butter most of the time. But when you're this terrible on the defensive side of the ball, letting up 123 points, like it's a big, big issue to your team. And it's going to cripple them if, they, if they're having a tough playoff series against a team like the Bucks. Uh, even a, a team like the Hawks could be sneaky and could be a team that they definitely don't want to face. And, I mean, the Hawks have already proved that they can hang with these guys in the couple games that they played. Of They had a very close loss and then a blowout win. So I'm definitely worried about the Nets and the direction they're heading uh, towards hopefully they can pick things back up get that momentum going figure out the issues that they need to address maybe make a line lineup change maybe you have to make some move because it felt like they were going to be one piece away and then when you were watching them with spencer it's like no they don't need to make any moves this team looks perfect the way they are but that injury is such a big injury and the fact that he's going to be out the entire year is a big big detriment to the squad and completely changes the whole dynamic of this team where I'm not super worried about them being like a big contender by any means and you may be like it's Spencer Dinwiddie but it's more than that he's a really good player and he just fits so perfectly on this team fit he filled a lot of those holes that they have. And even if I like a player like TLC, he's a really, really good three-point shooter. He really doesn't bring any playmaking, doesn't bring any ball handling. Even if he's a good catch-and-shoot guy, he's a guy who works much better off their bench as someone who could just take the 4.3 uh, threes per game that he's taking and then shoot around 40% on them. Like He's a nice, nice player, but he just doesn't fit this starting lineup. Uh, and yeah, I'm definitely worried about the Nets. They've been ca getting the wrong momentum right now. Lost a couple games in a row. And ever, ever since that blowout game they had against the Boston Celtics on Christmas Day, things have just not looked the same for them. They've not looked like nearly the dominant team that they were. And they got to start picking some things up because I am definitely, definitely worried about the Brooklyn Nets. Next team I want to talk about is the Nuggets. They were able to pick up a win last night, which was definitely big for them to get some momentum rolling. But before that point, they were 1-4 and, and have been struggling so far this season. Now, Nikola Jokic has played some of the best basketball of his career. I mean, if we look at his stats, the dude is averaging 23-11-13. He's been absolutely just ridiculous so far. Playmaking has been out of this world. He's shooting it super efficiently. He's done a really good job of balancing his aggressiveness and then when to be passive and be more of a playmaker, which is something I feel like he sometimes can struggle to like teeter the line with, of being aggressive, uh, but still getting guys involved. Sometimes I feel like he's just not aggressive enough, but he's done that really well this season. He's just been playing MVP-level basketball, to be honest. He's If this team was uh, performing better record-wise, he would easily probably be my MVP favorite just due to how good he's playing right now. I love to see him just being such a good playmaker while still getting that scoring and still rebounding. And he's definitely not at fault for this. Jamal Murray, after having a really rough first game, has been hooping as of late. He's getting his shots to uh, go. He's scoring the three ball very, very well. Shooting 7.4 game, which is the Jamal Murray we need to see. We need to see Jamal Murray beat an aggressive three-point shooter, go off those screens, I uh, hit those step backs off the dribbles because that's what really unlocks his game is when he's just in full aggressive mode and being uh, a score high volume three point shooter. So if he can continue to do that, I think we're going to see very good things out of Jamal Murray. And he's looked like he's truly taken that step. I was very, very worried after that first game because Jamal Murray has always been a player who's been super inconsistent, would show those amazing flashes and then just fall back to being pretty middle of the pack. But if he can continue to be consistent like he has the past like four games he's been playing, then I think he's going to have a phenomenal season, an all-star level season for the Denver Nuggets. And even though those two guys have been playing amazing, don't get me wrong, uh, their issues are both on the defensive side of the ball. And this is something that has really, really plagued this team so far. They've been one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA 
Uh, and that's been the biggest issue to why they've started off 2-4 and four at this point in the season. Those guys are amazing offensively, and they get relied on a lot offensively, so it makes sense for them to struggle. Jokic really just isn't that athletic, and his effort is mostly put in on offense. And Jamal is just really small, and even though when he puts in effort, a lot of the times he's just too small to be a really good defender. And then even though they have guys who are good on the defensive side of the ball, they're not elite. A guy like Paul Millsap is a very fundamentally sound and smart defender. He's a veteran in the league, has been playing for a long, long time now, and knows what to do on that side of the ball, but isn't some elite, super athletic defender by any means. And that's what you're losing with Jeremy Grant. You lost a lot of the athleticism and the defensive versatility the defensive versatility that he brought to your roster. He was a guy who could defend multiple positions, could defend on the perimeter, but could also be a shot blocker. He did a lot of different things on that side of the ball very, very well. And even if Paul Millsap is playing well, playing good fundamental defense and shooting the three ball well, he's a guy who you'd prefer to have off your bench and you'd prefer to have a guy like Jeremy Grant starting over him. And then Will Barton is skinny as hell like he's 6'5 181 pounds so even if he's a solid defender he's not great on that side of the ball by any means and his shot has just really really struggled at this point in the season uh, he's not been able to hit the three ball at all and it's it's been a weird season at this point for him so far because he was excellent for them last year and then he had that injury that kept him out of the bubble and now he just looks like he hasn't been able to get that rhythm back like he was averaging over 15 points uh he was scoring it really efficiently 45 percent from the field 37 and a half percent from three being like a secondary playmaker for them nearly averaging four assists per game he was doing everything you'd want out of him and just performing very very well but now he looks like he's lost his rhythm uh, because he just hasn't played basketball in a long while to be honest so hopefully he can start to get going and start to be performing better but he's definitely been a big reason to their struggles at this point and another guy who's been struggling a lot is Gary Harris now he's a guy who is a pretty pretty good defender like he is one of the best defenders on this roster uh, and he used to be a really good offensive player like if we go back to 2017-2018 he was averaging 17 and a half points shooting 39.6 percent from three but he's had a lot of injuries and then he's also just been relied a lot more on the defensive side of the ball and that has been his main focus where he's just fallen off a cliff offensively I mean at this point in the season he's shooting 12.5 percent from three 36.5 percent from the field as a whole and he's been really really struggling so far um just hasn't been able to do much out there on the offensive side of the ball at all and it's been another big reason to their struggles at this point in the season. And even players that I like a ton, players like Michael Porter Jr., who's one of my favorite players in the league. I love watching him because he's just a guy who's one of those true, just difficult shot makers who can rise over anyone and hit tough shots. He's still not good on the defensive side of the ball yet. And I, I think he will be at some point, but he still needs patience. And this is one of those teams that can't really have patience due to they're a team trying to win right now so they've definitely had some issues to this point in the season and it's been exposed a lot because of the Jeremy Grant loss and it's really unfortunate for them that that happened because it was completely out of their hand what happened to them they paid Jeremy Grant same year same amount of money and he just decided to go somewhere else so they lost a part of and an important part of what made them so good last year, which was they had that electric offense and then had another dynamic and a guy like Jeremy Grant who was super versatile on the defensive side of the ball. And they just, they're just uh, having a lack of a lot of that athleticism, a lot of that versatility. Because if you look at these guys, even if a guy like Gary Harris is a good defender, which he is, he's not super versatile on that side of the ball. He can maybe guard two at most three positions at most he can guard one through three uh 
but he's more of a perimeter guy. Paul Millsap, you probably only want on fours most of the time. Maybe he could be on some threes and occasionally on some fives. Will Barron, you probably want on a two-three. Jokic, you, it's a nightmare when Jokic has to switch on to someone. Jamal Murray's too small to guard anyone outside of the guard position. Like They just have some very, very clear issues on this roster that they're going to need to try and address if they want to take that next step and be a true contender in this Western Conference. So the Nuggets have been off to an interesting season, uh, interesting start to the season so far. Two and four at this point was nice for them to get that win over the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. But other than that, they just haven't been too impressive at this point. Next team I want to talk about is the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Oklahoma City Thunder are doing tanking right. They're doing tanking and rebuilding completely right. Where they are a team that even though they're not the greatest team by any means, they're a team that can be fun and be competitive while still building young assets, uh, testing your players, seeing how good these guys are, and then probably getting a pretty high draft pick. Darius Baisley in their most recent game against the Magic was phenomenal. He finally had his breakout game after really struggling. He was one of those players that disappointed me quite a lot at this point in the season. His shot was just really not falling, but he had an awesome game, showed that potential that I always thought was in him. I mean, he had 19, 12, and 2. That's just a really good game from him. Shot 204 from 3. Um, Shea Gilgis-Alexander has been playing excellent at this point in the season. Definitely struggled a lot in that Magic game that is pulling down his stats quite a lot. He His three-point shot has definitely been something that struggled. That's something that he's going to need to improve on because he's just not a guy who's that good of a three-point shooter. Like He only shot 35% last year, and he's always been someone who doesn't shoot that many either. Like He only shot 3.6 a game. So now that he's had the responsibility of taking a lot more off the dribble, creating a lot more on its own, and taking 6.2 a game, he's definitely uh, struggled to hit his three-point shot. But he's just such a smooth player, so good at getting to his spot in the mid-range where he really, really thrives at getting to the free throw line 5.2 times a game uh, and getting almost seven assists, which is the step I wanted to see the most was him as a playmaker uh, because that's something that I just haven't really seen that much at this point in his career. Like even in a much bigger role last year where he was playing eight more minutes a game and he had much more responsibility, he still only averaged 3.3 assists, which was the same he averaged in his rookie season. So if he can continue to take that step as a playmaker, be a 6.8 uh, he doesn't even have to average that much. Like in his prime, if he is a guy who averages like six assists per game or even five and a half, I'd be happy with that. Uh, because especially, I think he's going to be a guy who always thrives with another playmaker alongside him. Like George Hill has been playing phenomenal for them this year. He's a guy who I've always loved as being one of the most elite backup point guards in the league. He was incredible for the Bucks last year. Shot 46% from three. Is continuing that pace with even more responsibility. Like he's shooting two more threes a game and is only shooting 1% less. So I think that just shows you how good of a... Uh, shooter that he is and he's going to be a guy that teams are going to be desperate to get at the deadline I think he's someone you could get a late first round pick out of that's just how uh, highly valued I think uh, George Hill is and I think that's how highly valued the league is going to value him because he's just been playing so well for them and he's such a good veteran that you can either start you can have him as a backup he can be someone who's more of a playmaker and more of a ball handler or he can be a strictly off ball shooter like he's super versatile and can do a bunch of different things for contending teams so he's definitely going to be someone that teams are going to want al horford is someone who's been playing pretty solid for them uh, he's definitely just playing in more of the role that fits him more. He's actually playing center, and he's playing well. He's shooting the three ball very, very well. Hit the dagger against the Magic. He's been playmaking, uh, being a pretty average rebounder, just like Al Horford is, and then being a, a very solid defender. So he's uh, showed his value, even if he's not statistically done anything really special or even been that special of a player. And he's obviously overpaid, but he's still a solid player. 
And then Lou Dort has taken a very, very noticeable step on the offensive side of the ball. His three-point shot has got quite a lot better. He's just a lot more confident in it. His form has always been pretty solid, but it's just something that was really inconsistent last year. His handle has gotten a lot better. He pulled off one move in that game where I was just completely shocked where he just had such a nice handle and then finished like a reverse layup. It was incredible. And then he's obviously so good on the defensive side of the ball because he's just really, really strong. He's pretty heavy for how uh, tall he is at 6'3", 215, but that's a lot of muscle. And then he just competes really hard on that side of the ball, puts a ton of pride into it. So I love what I've seen from Lou Dort. And they're, again, just doing a rebuild right, where they're going to be a team that's probably not too good this season, but they're going to be a team that's competitive in a lot of games. Their young players are growing, and they're going to get a high draft pick with a ton of assets going into the future. And if they get Cade Cunningham, and there's a starting lineup that includes includes Cade Cunningham, Shea Gildress-Alexander, Luguen Stort, and Darius Baisley, and then whoever they want to have at five, which is something they'll need to address for the future. The league needs to watch out. Next team I want to talk about is the Rockets. They've been playing some uh, pretty solid basketball at this point in the season. Haven't been a team that's been uh, super impressive. As also, a guy like James Harden has sat out uh, some games, and then John Wall just came back. But uh, because of uh, COVID restrictions, and a guy like DeMarcus Cousins just came back as well, they're a team that I think has a lot of potential this season. John Wall has just looked excellent so far for the Rockets, whether it be in preseason or whether it be now his regular season games. He's played two of them at this point. He's looked just amazing so far for them. And it's it's really special to see guys like him, guys like Kevin Durant, really breaking the mold of what players are going to be like after major injuries like an Achilles injury. Stewart is coming off one of the worst injuries in basketball and a lot of other injuries as well. He's had multiple other knee injuries. He had that heel injury. Uh, he's had so many things that have happened to him, and he's still proven to be one of the best point guards in the NBA. At this point, it's obviously two games. It's a small sample size. He needs to play more, but he's averaging 25 Five and seven and a half. Now, do I think the points will slow down to more around 2018? Yes, absolutely. But I think he can keep the rebounds up and I think he can keep the assists up. He's done a really good job of just pushing the pace for this roster. They've had a really high and up tempo uh, style with him. And it's been really fun to watch as well. Like, he's got to cut down on the turnovers, averaging five of those per game. But he's been playing some pretty solid defense as well. One of the best uh, shot-blocking guards in the league, and he's averaging a block and a half, two steals. He's just been performing very, very well. And I just love to see it so much because John Wall is a guy that, if you think about it, we really just didn't even see for a long, long time. Like, it was some... It was like a year and a half, maybe two years since we saw John Wall just on the court. And he's back and looking almost better than ever. He's been performing really, really well. And it's been an absolute pleasure to watch. And then we got my boy Christian Wood. If you know me, I've been a guy who's praised Christian Wood a ton for a long, long time. I said this was one of the best signings of the off seasons. I've gone on multiple records saying he can be a star, saying he can be an all-star for this roster. And he is Luckily, proving me right. The dude is averaging almost 24 points, about 11 rebounds, 2 assists, 2.3 blocks. He's someone I'll go more into in uh, later in the episode with my player spotlight on him. But I just got to give him a ton of credit for playing the way he is. Uh, he hasn't even shot the three ball as good as I think he can. He's only shooting 35.3%. But it's still so nice to have the threat on the pick and pop. And then the, that threat of his three-point shot allows him to attack the basket very well. And the thing that has honestly stood out the most to me, because I always knew he could be a really special player and honestly one of the better offensive bigs in the league, uh, is that his defense has looked pretty formidable at this point in the season. And that was my biggest issue with Christian Wood was always his defense because he was someone who, even if he averaged like a blocker so a game, I just never really saw him be that good of a defender. He was someone who really never just contested shots super well. He uh, a lot of times looked a little bit lazy on that side of the ball. But he's looked pretty good so far. He averaged... Uh, he's averaging 2.3 blocks per game. He had like a four-block game. Uh, he's been performing very, very well. 
uh, on the offensive side of the ball. And then if he's just an average to even slightly above average defender, man, he's going to be one hell of a player for this team. And if they can keep James Harden for a majority or even half the season, this team could be pretty damn good because John Wall's performing great. Christian Wood is performing great. DeMarcus Cousins hasn't even played uh, that much at all so far. He's really played limited limit limited minutes in only the two games he's played. Only played 12 and a half minutes. But I think he can be a player that can play some very good basketball for them. He just has to get acclimated uh, into the team. And then you got other players who are just really solid players. A guy like Daniel House, just a good 3 and D guy. Uh, even if he's struggling with a shot at this point in the season, I think he's still a nice player to have. Uh, P.J. Tucker's been one of the best role players in the league for a long, long time. Like, this roster is pretty well constructed and can be a really good team if James Harden uh, does stay for a lengthy amount of time. So, love what I've seen from this roster so far. They've been honestly really, really fun to watch. And, yeah, I like what I've seen from the Houston Rockets. Next team I want to talk about is the New York Knicks. The Knicks look like a solid basketball team. At this point in the season, they are 3-3 three and three at 500 right now, and they've been outperforming my expectations by a lot. I love what I've seen from a guy like Julius Randle. He's been the guy who's absolutely just stood out the most to me. He's averaging 21 points, 10.5 rebounds, and 7.2 assists, which is the most surprising part by far is his playmaking he is a guy who's always going to average quite a lot of turnovers like last season he averaged three this season he's averaging four and a half but if he can playmake the way he is i don't really care about it i uh, care about it too much because it's just kind of what i expect with julius Randle. he's going to be a guy who has a lot of head scratching pr- plays but if he continues to play the way he is then you'll take the good with the bad. He's a guy who's been attacking the basket very, very well. Getting to the free throw line 5.7 times a game. Uh, He's shooting the three ball better than he ever has, and I definitely expect this to slow down. This is absolutely not sustainable, what he's shooting from three. Uh, Shooting 3.7 times per game and shooting 50%. No way that holds up. But he's just been playing very, very well. He's been playing much better than last season, where honestly he was really disappointing for me because he was incredible with the Pelicans. And it looks like we're getting uh, Pelicans' Julius Randle back. I expect the assists to slow down. I expect maybe even the efficiency to slow down a little bit because 49.5% and then 50% from three is a really, really good percent. So I, I especially expect the three-point efficiency to go down quite a lot back to around like the 35 34% shooter that he really is. But he's just been performing very, very well so far. Got to give him a ton of credit for that. Uh, R.J. Barrett, after having a pretty rough couple of games, he got out of his shooting slumps, had a big 25-point game, uh, shot 4 or 5 from 3. He's averaging 17, 7, 3.5. Definitely would like to see the assists go up a little bit more and would like to, to see the efficiency be better. But I do like his aggressiveness, getting to the free throw line at a good rate, and he's been a much better free throw shooter this season. I like to see him getting active on the boards and be someone who can take it all the way himself. He's just got to be a more efficient shooter. And hopefully that Pacers game will be a sign of him getting out of his shooting slump. Because if you know me, I've spoken very highly of RJ Barrett. I think he can be a very solid uh, all-star level player at some point in his career. I'm not one of those guys who gave up on him after a really inconsistent rookie season. Because you have to look at the circumstances with everything. Especially with a rookie player like him. He was put in one of the worst circumstances that he could could have possibly been put in he's a guy who thrives at attacking the basket is a really really good slasher and then is put around a ton of guys who can't shoot so the lane is just completely clogged for him and he's already playing in a place that has a lot of pressure on him in a big city like new york who's always super critical of their young players so i don't know why people were so quick to give up on rj barrett but i still think he can be a very very good uh, player for this roster Mitchell Robinson, I'd like to see him be a little bit more involved on offense. Like, I mean, he's only averaging 8.7 points, but he's still doing the same thing of being a really efficient player, being uh, a good shot blocker, averaging 1.7 blocks per game. Still like to see him get the fouls down, but that's something I think that's just always going to come with Mitchell Robinson is a lot of fouls. 
Uh, he's still averaging about 3.3 per game. Like what I've seen from Emmanuel quickly. Hasn't been super involved, but he's a guy who just shoots the ball pretty, pretty well. Is only shooting 33.3% so far at this point. But it's still averaging 7 points on 57% as a whole. Uh, and I just like what I've seen from him. He's just I just really like Emmanuel quickly. He was a really nice pick for uh, that roster. And honestly, the Knicks just look like a formidable formidable basketball team. Uh, the coaching has looked better, uh, and everything has gone well for them so far. They're much better than I expected. 3-3 three and three at this point. I mean, uh, obviously this isn't going to sustain. Uh, sustain but at this point they're better than the Brooklyn Nets which is uh, something I almost never expected to say except for maybe after like the first game of the season but yeah I gotta give a ton of credit to the Knicks they've looked like a solid team this year and have really really surprised me I'm gonna take a break and I'll be right back to give you guys some player spotlights okay I'm back to talk about some player spotlights the first one being Christian Wood. Now, if you know my history, I've spoken very, very highly of Christian Wood on multiple occasions. I said he was one of the best free agent signings. I thought that contract was an absolute steal for the Houston Rockets. I said he could be a star all-star player for them and he's proven me right to this point in the season at this point he's averaging 23.8 points 10.8 rebounds two assists and 2.3 blocks on 55.7 percent from the field 35.3 percent from three and only 64.7 percent from the line and what i love Chris about christian wood is his offensive game he is one of the best scoring bigs in the entire league he has a lot of anthony davis to his game and i know that may sound like a stretch but he really does if you watch their games they both have the special ability where they have enough strength and power to always uh overpower and overmatch smaller players when they're guarding him but they also both have the athleticism skill and finesse to get past past uh, larger and slower players as well. Christian Wood is just one of the most most athletic bigs in the entire league, and that helps him in a multitude of ways. Like I said, it helps him be able to get past these slower bigs who just really can't keep up with him, and especially with his solid handle as well because he's a pretty good ball handler. That just allows him to attack the basket so fearlessly and be one of the best uh, at doing that in the entire league as big and then he's also an elite lob target and now with this Houston Rockets team where he's alongside a guy like a James Harden who's always th thrived with pick and roll bigs who can catch lobs and then next to a guy like John Wall who has always fed his bigs and has always been one of the best playmakers in the league he is really really taking full advantage of that and performing so well He's an awesome three-point shooter who, even though his three-point shot hasn't been great so far in the season, I expect it to pick up, be around a 37%, which is very, very good for a big. Uh, and that ability as a three-point shooter just unlocks everything in his game because he can run the pick and pop, and people always have to worry about his three-point shot. So he can do the thing where he pump fakes and he can either take a one dribble go to the side and hit a three or he can just attack the basket it unlocks his game so so well and then he's also a great rebounder he's averaging 2.3 offensive rebounds per game and eight and a half on the defensive side of the ball leading up to a total of 10.8 i think he can definitely keep that up be around a 10 11 rebound guy and then his shot blocking has been something that's definitely stood out so far this season. He is a guy who I've always criticized on the defensive side of the ball. And I absolutely need to see more from him before I just give him a ton of flowers on that side of the ball. But he has been performing pretty, pretty well on that side. Uh, protecting the basket very well. And it's not even in just the blocks. Because blocks, even though they're a stat that uh, does matter and is important, they're not the only stat that matters. Like, I saw someone saying that... Uh, Montrez Harrell is a better uh, rim protector than Serge Ibaka because he, av he had more total blocks last season, which is just a stupid argument. You have to watch the games. And Christian Wood is not only blocking shots, he's affecting shots and uh, contesting shots, which is just as important as a block shot. If you can contest a shot well and force it to miss, uh, even though that doesn't show up as well in the stat sheet, 
it still does mean something for sure and still is very, very important. So if he can continue to put in more effort on the defensive side of the ball and be more locked in, he can truly become an elite big in this league. And he's already proving himself to be a top 50, top 40 player, an all-star caliber player at this point. And I don't think this is a fluke by any means. We saw this for a pretty long streak uh, with the Detroit Pistons and many people criticized that because they said this team was really bad he was getting a lot of opportunity uh, he's just a player who thrives on tanking teams because that's kind of what happened with the Pelicans as well and this is why I actually started liking Christian Wood in the first place was his performance on the New Orleans Pelicans this is where I first learned about him and he was averaging 16.9 points. This was after the whole Anthony Davis fiasco where they were just tanking. They were sitting Anthony Davis a lot. And he was hooping in that eight games for uh, them. So I was like, why is this guy not getting an opportunity? Such a low-risk, high-reward player. And then he was playing pretty solid for the Detroit Pistons, but just wasn't getting that many minutes. But then at the end of the season when they traded Andre Drummond and when Blake Griffin was injured, he played excellent for them and he looks like he's improved even more and he's playing amazing basketball for the Houston Rockets I think he's a player who has so much potential and he makes this Houston Rockets future look a lot brighter especially with the James Harden rumors still being very very uh, prominent uh, if you can get a player alongside Christian Wood and make a duo with him uh, save the Ben Simmons trade I don't even know if that's going to happen because the 76ers are playing so damn well right now but imagine a pick and roll and pick and pop duo with Ben Simmons and Christian Wood that would be deadly uh, and yeah I really really like what I've seen from Christian Wood I think he deserves a ton of recognition and that's why he is one of my player spotlights Next player I want to talk about is Keldon Johnson of the San Antonio Spurs. He has emerged quickly into being one of my favorite young wings in the entire league. Uh, he really didn't get that much opportunity in his rookie season, only playing 17 games and playing 17.7 minutes per game. Uh, but he was very, very solid uh, when he played for the San Antonio Spurs last season, averaging 9.1 points on 60% from the field, basically 59% from three. He showed some really nice signs, especially in the bubble. That's what really made me like Keldon Johnson. And now he's getting the full opportunity from the San Antonio Spurs, and he's been let off the leash. He has performed excellent at this point in the season, averaging uh, 16.2 points on amazing efficiency, 49.3% from the field, 42.9% from three, and 85.7% from the line. Also, seven and a half rebounds, which is something that has really stood out to me. 2.3 assists as well. Does have more turnovers than assists, which you never like, but he's not a big playmaker. His main focus is scoring. Uh, also averaging one and a half steals and .7 blocks. Uh, Keldon Johnson is a player who I always thought was a steal for the San Antonio Spurs. I was shocked he slid as low as he did, and I was surprised he wasn't getting that much opportunity in his rookie season. But towards the end of the season, uh, especially when the Spurs looked like they weren't really going to make the playoffs, he was getting a lot of opportunity, and that man took full advantage of it. And you could really tell at a young age he's gained Greg Popovich's trust, which is a hard thing to do. It's hard to crack into the Spurs' rotation as a young guy and we've seen really really talented players a guy like Devin Vassell probably isn't going to play too many minutes this season even though he's very very good uh, even in even as a young player uh, but Kelton Johnson early on in his career has gained the trust of pop and he is taking full advantage of every minute he's had he's someone who is really really aggressive while attacking the basket I always loved his ability to shoot the three ball, and he's a very good three-point shooter. But the thing that has stood out to me is his aggressiveness while attacking the basket. I mean, he's averaging three and a half free throw attempts per game, which you'd like to see that uh, up a little bit more. But it's still pretty, pretty solid considering, I mean, he's playing 29.6 minutes, and he's still a young guy. He can definitely get that up. He's getting to the mid-range area and... Uh, doing that very, very well. And then he's showing off that three-point ability like I was talking about. Shooting three and a half threes a game and shooting 43%. And even though that is a pretty high number, I think he can hold around the 40% range because he's just a very, very good three-point shooter. And then I love what he's been doing as a rebounder. We've seen the Spurs run a lot of like four-guard lineup where it's him, Lonnie Walker, 
uh, DeJounte Murray and DeMar DeRozan. And him and DeJounte Murray have really allowed that four-guard lineup to work. Because even when they have a guy like LaMarcus, who isn't a good rebounder by any means, all the wings are getting very, very active on the boards. And it allows them to push the pace so well because you don't have to take that like second to get it from the big to uh, one of the guards or wings. And even though that may not seem like much, that second can be the difference from you having a fast break opportunity uh, instead of a half court opportunity, which is obviously much easier in the fast break when everybody's scrambling and when you're just getting easy opportunities to get open threes or uh, lanes to the basket. And he's doing that very, very well. Seven and a half rebounds per game. 1.3 of those is offensive, which is pretty impressive as well uh, for a wing player. He's been active on the defensive side of the ball. He isn't a great defender by any means, but he's pretty solid. Uh, he's, I mean, 6'5", 220. And then if he, sh- and if he continues to show effort, like he's going to be a solid defender no matter what. And then he's just been so good on the offensive side of the ball. So I think he deserves a ton of uh, credit and a ton of praise because he's really, really taken a noticeable step this year and has improved quite a lot and is becoming one of the more promising young wings in the league. And he's a guy who I feel like just isn't getting talked about really at all because the Spurs are a team that just doesn't get much attention, which they should get more attention. They have a lot of nice young players on this roster. DeJounte Murray is a super fun player to watch. I love Lonnie Walker the fourth. He's awesome. Derek White is a player who I love a ton as well. And Keldon Johnson is a player who deserves way more recognition and is a player who I think can be an all-star caliber player at some point. Even if he's a guy who doesn't make many all-stars, I think he can be a fringe guy. I think next season we could see him averaging around 18 to 20 points per game. I really, really believe in Keldon Johnson and his game. Love what I've seen so far. I just hope he keeps this up. I hope he continues to get the minutes. And I think he will because he's been uh, proving why he deserves them and proving why he's a massive part of the Spurs' young court. Keldon Johnson has played phenomenal at this point in the season. Next player I want to talk about is Thomas Bryan. Now, he's a player who I've liked for uh, quite a while. And even when the uh, Wizards were atrocious last year in the bubble, when basically no one showed up, like Bradley Beal wasn't there, Davis Bertans wasn't there, and the team was very, very rough. Thomas Bryan was the only guy on that team that made me want to watch their games. Because Thomas Bryan has quickly emerged into being one of the better offensive bigs in the league, especially as a shooter. Uh, Last season, on two attempts per game, he shot 40.7% from three. In the season prior, he shot uh, 1.4 attempts and 33%. And then in his rookie season, where he really didn't play much, shot 0.7 attempts and shot only 10%. So he's very, very clearly taken steps every single year to be at the point he is now, where he's taking 2.6 attempts per game and shooting 50%. Now, do I expect that to slow down? Obviously, 50% is a really, really hard mark to shoot. And usually it's either guys who just don't shoot many threes at all or some of the best three-point shooters ever. So I expect that to slow down, but I still expect it to be a pretty high percent because he showed last season that he's always had the ability to be a stretch big, and he's improved that every single year. Uh, I just love his offensive game so much. He's a guy who is just very aggressive on that side of the ball. Like, even... uh, it's just not his three-point shooting that stands out to me so much as a shooter. His ability as a mid-range shooter as well is very good. And I saw that a lot in the bubble where he was taking bigs off the dribble, shooting mid-ranges off the dribble. And I was wondering if that was going to continue when he had a better team around him and more guys who were going to be scoring the ball. And it has. He's still been aggressive getting to uh, spots in the mid-range, being a really good pick-and-pop big, which I always love to see because I feel like that just makes an offense so dynamic. He rolls to the basket very well as well. He's super athletic, can catch lobs, and he's a really good interior finisher. I mean, he's shooting about 67%. He's been just phenomenal as an offensive uh, player. And like I said, has become one of the best offensive bigs in the league. And I feel like no one talks about him. Like, he's averaging almost 18 points per game, and I haven't heard a chirp about Thomas Bryant. So he deserves a lot more recognition. And that's why I'm giving him this player spotlight, because I think he needs to get talked about more as one of the best offensive bigs in the league. And he's still a young, young player. This is only his fourth season in the league. So he's only 23 years old. You got to think about this. He still has a lot of 
room to grow as a player. And I think he could be a player who's like a 20-point-per-game scorer at some point in his career. Now, does he have his flaws to his game? Absolutely. He's not the best rebounder by any means. Like, he's only around a seven-rebound guy. He was that... Uh, he, in his first season with Washington, 6.3 rebounds per game. Last season, 7.2. And this season, uh, 6.7 so far. So he's just a pretty average to slightly below average rebounder. And on the defensive side of the ball, he's atrocious, to be honest. He must improve on that side of the ball a lot. And that's by far his biggest issue. And the reason that I feel like he isn't getting more attention. Because he just isn't a good defender at all. Like... Uh, in the Bulls game especially, because I was watching that game pretty close, it stood out to me how bad of a defender he was. Wendell Carter was eating him alive. Daniel Gafford was killing him on the inside as well. And there's just no rim protection with this Wizards team. And that's mostly due to Thomas Bryant being a very, very poor defender. So we must improve in that, especially if he wants to be a long-term starting center. But with how special of an offensive player he is, I still think he deserves about 30 minutes per game. And that just shows how good he is on that side of the ball and how much I believe in him on that side of the ball. Because at the center position, defense is so important. Like, it's obviously important to be a good defender at any position, but especially at the center where you're guarding pick and rolls a lot of the time. Uh, you have to be the guy who's protecting the interior and stopping easy baskets. He's bad at that, but he's still a good and a positive player due to how damn good he is on the offensive side of the ball. Amazing shooter, really good uh, uh, rim roller. He runs the floor super well due to his athleticism. Love everything about Thomas Bryant's game. Just needs to take a step on the defensive side of the ball. And I think he's quickly becoming one of the best offensive bigs and one of the most underrated young offensive bigs in the entire league. Now getting into some NFL talk. First team I want to talk about is the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns have finally made the playoffs for the first time since 2002. Very, very exciting stuff here. They were able to get the win over a Steelers team who wasn't uh, starting many starters. And it was a close game, closer than you want it to be. But at the end of the day, they got the win, and that's all that matters. Baker Mayfield was solid in this game, 196 yards and a touchdown. Nick Chubb, 14 carries, 108 yards. He had that huge breakaway touchdown. Uh, Jarvis Landry also had a touchdown on the ground. And Austin Hooper was the one who got their one receiving touchdown. Rashard Higgins was pretty good. Two receptions for 55 yards. Overall, Jarvis Landry had a nice game. Five receptions for 51 yards. And even as someone who isn't a Cleveland Browns fan by any means or anything, it makes me so, so happy to see the Browns finally make the playoffs. Because they're just that team that kind of everyone roots for. Except if you're in... the uh, your division because if you're a Steelers fan or a Ravens fan I'm sure you hate the Browns but as someone who is not a fan of a team in their division all I want to do is just see the Browns succeed and they finally made the playoffs Baker Mayfield has been very very good this season he was someone who was heavily criticized and it made sense he was really bad last season uh, and he was super disappointing for me after an awesome rookie season like I feel like people don't understand how good he was in his rookie season he was so disappointing in that second season but this year he was very very good he didn't put up a crazy amount of yards by any means only about 3700 uh 3506 uh, yards i mean but 26 touchdowns and the main thing with me was his ability to keep down his turnovers only had eight interceptions this season and this was including him having a bit of a rough uh, start to the season where he's thrown more interceptions late in the season especially he was killing it and was having multiple games in a row where he was just holding on to the football very very well not having any turnovers and just playing smart and good football I mean he had a QB rating of basically 90 uh, uh, basically uh, 72 he just performed really well this season I gotta give a ton of credit to him he was much better than I uh, expected and even as someone who was high on Baker Mayfield I never would have thought there was a season that he was going to have eight interceptions this year but you also got to give a ton of credit to Stefan uh, Stefan 
Bazanski. I struggle to say that name a lot, but he coached this team so, so well. He did a great job of controlling Baker Mayfield and then playing to the strengths of this roster, which is their run game. Their run game is incredible. Nick Chubb is one of the best and maybe even the best running back in the entire NFL. And that's a lot of praise considering you have to understand there are so many good running backs in the NFL. A guy like Derrick Henry just hit 2,000 yards. And Nick Chubb could make a very good argument for being the best running back in the NFL. In only 12 games, he had over 1,000 yards, 12 touchdowns. And you also have to consider he had a very good backup behind him who was getting a lot of touches in Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt is easily the best backup running back in the NFL and he's such a nice player for this team to have because when Nick Chubb was injured he was still able to perform very well Kareem Hunt had 841 yards and six touchdowns only starting five games he was amazing for them this season so I just got to give a ton of credit to the Browns uh, the coaching was amazing Baker Mayfield played very very well the running game was so excellent uh, and their defense stepped up at certain times. It wasn't great this season, but it was pretty solid, and they just performed very, very well. 11-5, and five, the third team in this division to make the playoffs, which is crazy that just three teams made the playoffs in this division, one of the toughest divisions we've seen in a long, long time, and they were able to sneak in. Absolutely love to see it. Don't know if they'll really make any noise at all this season, but... It still just makes me happy to see them in, and I think they can be a team that puts up a fight uh, just due to how good the running game is and due to how good the coaching is. Next team I want to talk about is the Buffalo Bills. This team is really, really uh, scaring a lot of other teams. I'm absolutely sure of it. This team has become a team that I think could very well win the Super Bowl, and honestly, I would not be surprised if they won the Super Bowl. Josh Allen has performed amazing this season, better than I could have ever expected, and has just played some excellent football this season. He is very, very uh, in the MVP race this year. Now, Aaron Rodgers absolutely deserves to win MVP. The Packers were phenomenal this season, and he was excellent. But we still got to give Josh Allen his praise 4,500 yards, 37 touchdowns, and only 10 interceptions. He did such a better job of with his, accu with his accuracy. He did such a better job of reading defenses. Uh, his mechanics are so much better. He's done such a good job of extending plays and keeping a play alive due to his athleticism and due to just his uh, spatial awareness. Like He has improved every single part of his game. We... He, all, he always had the ability to uh, rush the football pretty well just due to his athleticism, him being such a big guy and him still being very, very uh, quick. But uh, he's really just improved his throwing game so much. He always had that cannon of an arm and just that crazy athleticism that very few people have. Uh, but he's really unlocked his game as being an accurate pinpoint passer who also still does his thing as a quarterback who can rush. I mean, his QBR this year went up from 47.9 last year to 81.7 this year. That's special, special stuff right there. Uh, and you got to give credit to the other guys on this offense as well. Stephon Diggs has completely changed the dynamic of this team. Even though they gave up a lot of value for Stephon Diggs, it was absolutely worth it he has been straight up incredible this season had over 1500 yards eight touchdowns led the nfl in receptions he was just amazing this season was just consistently such a good weapon for josh allen they clearly have this amazing chemistry this amazing bond and are gonna be uh, a threat in the nfl for being a Super Bowl team, and that's largely due to these two players being so good. They've uh, been one of the best offenses in the entire league and are just so explosive and electric now. And again, that's mostly due to these two guys. I feel like the coaching has been so good for this team. This coaching staff has really molded Josh Allen into the player he is. They completely changed around his mechanics, and now he's become one of the best quarterbacks in the entire league. So I, if I'm any team, I am 
terrified of playing Josh Allen in the Bills. And they may be a team that I would even pick to win the Super Bowl. Like, they're getting momentum at the right time and playing some of their best football. Love what I've seen from them this year. Stephon Diggs is one of the best receivers in the NFL. Josh Allen is one of the best quarterbacks. And this team is absolutely a threat. I mean, they beat a Miami Dolphins team who was trying to make the playoffs 56 to 26. And this Miami Dolphins team is a solid football team. And they beat them 56 to 26. They're just ridiculous and an absolute threat in the NFL. Now getting into my playoff predictions for the NFL. This has been one of the most interesting seasons in NFL history with just so many random things happening uh, with all the COVID stuff and and teams uh, missing games. There was games that were played every single week of the season. Every single day of the week, which is just absolutely unprecedented. We've never seen that before, and I don't think we'll ever see that again. It's been such an interesting season, and we finally have made it to the playoffs. There's a lot of teams that could uh, make a Super Bowl run. There's a lot of teams who could be a threat, and I'm really, really excited to see uh, how things are going to go this season. So, the first game I'll be talking about is Bills versus Colts in the AFC. I got to give the Bills the win on this one. I mean, I just don't think there's any chance the Colts can beat the Bills. This team has been absolutely phenomenal this season. They're absolutely a threat to be a Super Bowl contender this year. And I got to give them the win in this one. Uh, I think they're a really, really scary, scary team and deserve a ton of props, deserve a ton of praise. So, yeah, I got to give them the win in this one. And I think they're going to be a threat just as a whole. So they definitely deserve the win. Next game is the Steelers versus the Browns. And as much as I like the Browns, as much as uh, praise I've given them, and as much as the Steelers have had some struggles at certain points, I still have to give them the win. I mean, the Steelers are still a very, very solid football team and deserve to beat the Cleveland Browns even. Again, I love them. They're one of my favorite teams in the league, but I think they're still going to get this win. And now, one of the closest games, uh, at least I think it will be one of the closest games in all of the playoffs, will be Ravens versus Titans. The Ravens are a team that is catching momentum at the right time. They've been performing very, very well. They dealt with some injuries that really caused them to struggle early on in the season and just dealt with a lot of unfortunate things. But now they're getting momentum and they're rolling at the right time. They've been performing very, very well and are just playing some excellent football. They have one of the best run games in the entire NFL. We all know Lamar Jackson's ability to run and then just have multiple running backs who are very, very good. Uh, and yeah, they're just terrifying as uh, a rushing team who could still pass uh, solid enough. And then our team who has a pretty solid defense as well, very well coached. Well, then you go on to the Titans. Derrick Henry, 2,000 rushing yards this season, is one of the best running backs in the entire NFL. They have an elite offensive line, which definitely helps them quite a lot. Ryan Tannehill is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, even as weird as it may sound to say that. But he's a very, very good quarterback. Do not uh, get that confused. He's super, super solid. And they're just a very good team as a whole. Their defense has definitely been something that has held them back this season, but they're such an electric offense. This one is honestly a complete coin toss to me. You could easily tell me that they were going to uh, lose, that either team would lose this game, and I wouldn't be surprised at all. I'm going to give the slight slight edge to the Titans but this is going to be a hell of a game a rematch from last year it would be cool to see Lamar get his revenge but it would also be cool to see Derrick Henry dominate yet again so I'm going to pick the Titans just due to how good Derrick Henry is due to how good Ryan Tannehill is they're just an amazing team but this is definitely going to be one of the best games in all the NFL playoffs and I'm very very excited for this one now going into the NFC we got Buccaneers versus Washington football team uh, as, as cool as it's been to see the football team actually be a pretty solid team this year and be uh, much more competitive than most people would have thought, I just don't think there's a chance they win this game. Tom Brady's been excellent this season. Uh, even if he's had some down moments and has played poor at some times, overall he's been 
very, very solid. They have an elite receiving core with just so many weapons. I mean, Antonio Brown is starting to get some momentum and has been playing pretty well these past couple weeks. Uh, Mike Evans is one of the best receivers in the NFL and has been an elite red zone threat for them. Chris Godwin is a great player. Gronk is still a pretty solid tight end. I love Ronald Jones. Uh, even though I do think this team can be poorly coached at certain times, I still think they're a very good team and are very, very clearly a threat to anyone in the NFL. So I'm excited for uh, what this Buccaneers team will be able to do. And I think they're a very good team who is going to be very, very competitive. Now going on to the next game, we got Rams versus Seahawks. I think this is going to be a very close and competitive game against two with two good teams but Jared Goff must be healthy for that to be true uh, Jared Goff was injured last week and uh, it was definitely a weird game where the Cardinals uh, Kyler Murray was injured as well it was it was just a really weird game as a whole but the Rams were able to sneak into the playoffs they're a super solid team who's very well coached and ha just has a good roster as well. I mean, Aaron Donald is one of the best players in the NFL. You could very well make the argument that he's the best player, especially if you're just taking out like value of position and just considering individual talent. He's such a beast. Uh, they have so many good players on this roster, but I just don't think I can trust Jared Goff in a playoff game, especially against Russell Wilson. And with this defense uh, starting to look better and better uh, by the week, uh, I got to give the Seahawks the win in this one, and I th I think it'll be a close game, but I think the Seahawks are just the better football team at the end of the day. Uh, next and last game we're going to talk about in the NFC is Saints versus Bears, and honestly, I got to give the Saints the easy win in this. I just think the Saints are the better football team at the end of the day. Uh, I think the Bears' offense is not nearly electric enough for uh, them to really be much of a threat to this team. Uh, at all and I just don't think they're that good of a team if you know me I've been very very uh, critical of the Bears all year and I just don't think I just think it's because their offense is not electric enough to uh, really win this game so yeah I just can't see them winning uh, even if they do have a good defense I don't think they're well coached enough and I don't think they uh, have a good enough quarterback so yeah I just again can't see them winning this game and yeah, that was my wild card prediction. I'll talk about the next round when it gets here. That has been the episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. It's been Michael. Peace out.